Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Well, hey, welcome to Vintage Church. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor. For those of you watching online, welcome as well. Last week, we kicked off not only a brand new series, but honestly, the vision for Vintage Church for the next uh, year, deep and wide. I want to encourage you in a couple of things. Number one, You should have received one of these either from us or when you came last week. And so you're going to want to have this out and turn to a few pages in where our sermon notes are, particularly pages 10 through 11. And that's where we're going to be taking sermon notes today. And the first page is kind of a skeleton of my sermon notes. And then on the next page is a blank page for you to add to those notes as well. I also want to encourage you to take a look at our Deep and Wide webpage. You're going to see just a few screenshots on the screen. And uh, this is a great way for you to access a ton of resources. So if you go to right there at the bottom of the screen, nola.vcmvmt.com slash deepandwide, You're going to get to this page, kind of an overview of why we're doing Deep and Wide. In the next screenshot, you're going to see uh, some general resources. So if you're looking for the digital copy of the guidebook that you have, that's going to be there. There's some recommended general resources. We also have those out in our atrium uh, for you to look at and some to purchase as well. Let's go to the next screenshot. And what you're going to find on that webpage is every quarter info on the rule of life and evangelism, info on the deep habit and the wide habit. So for instance, this sermon is going to be on that rule of life resource page. You're also going to find uh, the deep and wide resources that we have right there. I'm going to recommend a couple of those to you as well. So all of that is on that web page for you to look at. Let's stay real quick on those resources. Really want to encourage you. These are some great resources to dig a little deeper. When I talk about the rule of life, we have copies for sale in our atrium of that Rhythms for Life book. Can't recommend it enough. It's super accessible, super easy, but helps you do the practical work to craft a rule of life. And so you can find all of that on our website. You can find all of that in our atrium as well. Last week, we kicked off the series by showing what Jesus did, how Jesus modeled the rhythm for the Christian life, going both deep He would retreat for intimacy with the Father and at the same time go wide. He would be released to minister to people. And what we talked about is what our desire, what Vintage Church's desire is for 2021. Here's what we said. Vintage Church will grow deep by focusing on who we're becoming in Jesus and at the same time will grow wide by focusing on who we're inviting into Jesus. And so that's our focus for 2021. Today, we're going to be talking about the first deep spiritual habit. And as I thought about this particular habit, I thought about New Year's resolutions. How many of you created a few resolutions? Anybody? Okay, how many of you have goals for the New Year? Okay. 
How many of you are succeeding in those goals currently? How many of you have said, you know what, I scrapped that goal already? <laughs> yeah, maybe nobody here, but I bet there's somebody out there that has. And here's the thing, I have goals. I have some uh, unique goals this year. Some things I've done before, like I want to write uh, three times per week. Just write for whatever it is, whether I'm working on a project or just writing. I want to take my wife, Rachel, on a weekend getaway this year. And so that's a big goal in the Turner household. And then one of my favorite goals for this year is I want to compete in a powerlifting competition. So that's a big goal for 2021. But here's the thing about goals, right? You can have your goals on a piece of paper. You can put them up in front of you. But if you don't take intentional next steps to complete the goal, guess what's going to happen? Nothing, <laughs> right? Nothing is going to be achieved. And I want you to think about that in light of spiritual goals, in light of spiritual habits. Because our spiritual goals, our spiritual habits are the same way as our normal, everyday, regular goals. Without intentional action, intentional next steps, you are never going to be able to accomplish what God might be calling you to. And so for us, how do we think about that? How are we going to be intentional in 2021 enter the rule of life here's what i want you to think about we can go deep when we utilize a rule of life to forget our past and focus on our future now you hear rule of life and you might be the kind of person that bucks up against rules you're like oh man they're putting more rules on me are you kidding me that's not what we're talking about the word rule for rule of life actually comes from the Latin word regula. And what it's actually referring to is a trellis. Anybody familiar with like gardening? And you've seen a trellis before, right? It's typically vertical and plants, typically vines and those sorts of things, use a trellis to grow because on their own, they cannot grow. But when they have a support system, what those plants are able to do is grow and thrive because they're able to have support, they're able to get closer to the sunshine. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a rule of life. And Pastor Brick shared about it, but for nearly 1,400 years, Christians and Christian communities have been utilizing a rule of life. In the ancient monasteries, they had a rule of life. In the current monasteries, by the way, if you go to a, a silent retreat or something at a monastery, they have rules of life. And it's basically a set of guidelines by which that community lives. Now, I want to give you just a simple, basic definition from a resource that we actually have for you to look at. It's from Emotionally Healthy spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Here's how he defines a rule of life. Simple and basic. A rule of life is an intentional. Everybody say intentional. Intentional. It's an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. An intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of of everything we do. 
So if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. If you're new to the Bible, turn more toward the back end. In your New Testament, you'll find a letter there. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. And what we're going to look at is how a rule of life helps us. So let's look at Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Here's what Paul writes. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. If you're underlining your Bible, underline one thing I do. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So, how does a rule of life help us? Number one, a rule of life helps us forget our past vision. Now, I actually want to go back in Philippians chapter 3, and I want to look at verses 3 through 6, because here's what we are going to see that Paul forgets. Paul forgets his past privilege and achievements. He forgets his past privilege and achievements. Look at what he says in verses 3 through 6. He says, for we, that he's talking about the Jews, the people that he was a part of, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now he just said, no confidence in the flesh, but now he's going to give you his resume. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, meaning he kept the law perfectly. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So what Paul is getting at here is he's saying, listen, I come from the perfect pedigree. Everything about me, the fact that I was circumcised on the eighth day, means that my parents followed the law. I was born into the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had the perfect privilege. And at the same time, he, he lived his life righteously. He, when he says, as to the law, blameless, what he means is he followed the law to the T. But Paul says he forgot all of that. Now, here's the thing, right? We can't forget our past, right? You remember what you've done, whether it was good things or whether it was bad things. You remember the good things that have happened to you? You remember the bad things that have happened to you? What Paul is getting at is his hope and his security is not found in those things in the past. His past privileges and his past achievements. And the reason that all of that is not in the past for him, the reason that he can forget his past, is because Paul had been changed by Jesus. 
He, he had met Jesus. If you go back and you look in the book of Acts, we hear about Paul meeting Jesus. Jesus came to him and blinded him. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He had been radically changed by Jesus. Remember, that's the, the, the journey that he was on, the point when Jesus changed him. He was actually on his way to kill Christians. And he meets Jesus, and Jesus changes him. There's a moment in Paul's life where he responds to what Jesus does to him. He repents. He recognizes the way that he has been living is not the way that God wants him to live. He believes in Jesus. The very people that he was persecuting, he comes to believe and worship that man. And then what we read about in the book of Acts is when he comes to that moment of repentance and belief, he's baptized. He displays to the other Christians, he displays to God that he is choosing to follow Jesus. And listen, as we think about forgetting our past vision, we have to recognize the truth of the gospel in our own lives. The only way that you can get past your past is to trust in Jesus. No, that doesn't mean that you're not going to remember everything that happened to you, but what it does mean is Jesus is going to redefine your future. He's going to change how you see the world. He's going to put you in a new purpose, a new meaning, a new mission. The very thing that Paul had experienced. And the reason that Paul could forget that past vision, because now Paul had a new goal. He wasn't working to live righteously under the law just to say that he was blameless. He wasn't working to persecute Christians. Now what he was getting at was this new goal. Look at verses 12 through 14. Paul says some interesting things in regard to that new goal. He says, not that I have already obtained this. So he hasn't gotten it yet, but he's working toward it. Look at verse 12 again. Or that I'm already perfect. He's on his way. He's working toward it. Verse 13, I told you to underline this one thing I do. He's got a new singular purpose. And then in verse 14, he says he's working for the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He has a new vision. The word goal, literally think about it like a sports analogy. It's the goal. It's the end. It's what you're working toward. Whether it's in football, there's the end zone. If it's soccer, it's the net, right? If it's, if it's basketball, it's the basket, those are the things that Paul was working toward. He had this singular goal, and all of that centered around forgetting that past vision. Not getting caught up in either what he had achieved, or what he had been born into, or even what he had done. I mean, is it not interesting that Paul did not get wrapped up and consumed by the fact that he had killed Christians? He didn't forget it. He knew he had done it. But because of the work of Jesus in his life, because Jesus had radically changed him, he was able to move past that vision. So how do we forget our past 
vision. We're going to look at that, but I want you to think about the wrongs done, the shame, the guilt, the fear that you might have. Those are things that we have to, in Christ, move past. And at the same time, think about your achievements that you've accomplished. Because for many of us, here's the way that we think about life, that we're going to come to this moment of arrival where we can say, I've arrived. That's never going to happen for any of us. And so rather than look at all of the things that you've accumulated, all of the accomplishments that you've, that you've finished and you've completed, forget about those things. Because whether they're good or whether they're bad, they shouldn't define you. Listen, when we forget our former realities no longer determine our identity or purpose. And if you want God to transform you and you want to live for God, those past realities cannot define you. You have to begin to live for the future. So it's not just enough for us to forget our past. The point in forgetting is, number two, to focus on our future vision. To focus on our future vision. What was Paul's new future vision? It was simply this, to know Christ. That was it. Go back and look at the beginning of Philippians 3, this time verses 7 through 11. Remember what we just read. What Paul just said is he just gave his list of accomplishments and his pedigree that he came from. Now look at what he says in verses 7 through 11. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Just a side note, the Greek there for the word rubbish literally means dog doo-doo, okay? But think about a different word. That's what Paul is saying in Greek. Everything that's in the past that's what he's saying. So for this sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. Count them as rubbish in order that I may what? Gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him. Everybody say, know him. Now come on. Everybody say, know him that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul understood his past, but he could not let his past define him because what Jesus had done was give him a new future. He had been changed and he wasn't no longer living for the past, but he was living for the future to know Christ. And to know Christ is not just this cognitive understanding. To know that there was a man that lived 2,000 years ago that lived a pretty righteous life and then died by Roman crucifixion but supposedly rose from the grave. 
Yes, those are important facts to know, but what Paul wanted to know is he wanted to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Because he knew that he knew that, that was the only way he was going to be changed from the inside out. It was the only way that he was going to experience the resurrection and to share in Jesus' suffering and his death that he might experience that resurrection. To know Christ is a relational goal that leads to life transformation. And I shared last week, right, about the, the significance and the reality about relationships, that any relationship you're in is always going to be hard. The, the, the people that you love the most, right? It's still going to be hard because it's work. I had my kids in the office today, right? Today, Dustin was not only the lead pastor of Vintage Church, but he was the headmaster of the local school, <laughs> right? I love my kids, but man, they did not want to do schoolwork today, right? So there were consequences. Relationships are hard, but here's the thing about relationships. When you are in a relationship, you don't want a, rela a relationship to stay stagnant. You don't want a relationship to be stationary. You want that relationship to evolve to a point where the people in the relationship are changing for the good. And our relationship with Jesus is the same way. As we are in relationship with Jesus, it should be transforming us, changing us. For most of us in this room, most of us watching, you had 365 days in the year 2020. And it was a heck of a year, was it not? Can I get an amen? But here's what I want to know. You were in a relationship with Jesus for 365 days. Did that relationship with Jesus change you? Or did you allow every single circumstance of the year 2020 to change you? Because what Paul is getting at is that if you know Christ, you will be transformed by Christ. Now, here's what I want you to get. Because this is where a rule of life comes in. Paul's future vision required intentionality. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. My future vision will require intentionality. What God wants for you will not happen by accident. God's future vision for your life will require intentionality. Everybody say it again, intentionality. Say it again, intentionality. Say it one more time, intentionality. It's not going to happen by accident. Paul's future vision required intentionality. Look at what he says in verse 13. As I was studying this passage in, in the previous weeks, this phrase kept sticking out to me. But one thing I do. Now, I don't know about you, but I do more than one thing. Today, I was trying to pastor and at the same time teach, which that doesn't work well, right? And that's what Paul is getting at. Paul is saying, listen, there's so many other things in life. There's so many other distractions. But the one single solitary thing that drives me is to know Christ. 
This one thing, but one thing. There was a singleness of purpose. There was a concentration of effort. That's intentionality. Paul didn't say, well, I might just walk into knowing Christ. No, what he said is, listen, I'm focusing all of my attention, all of my energy, all of my desire, all of my motivation to know Christ. And then he says some really interesting things. Two times, verse 12, verse 14, he says, I press on. That word, press on, that phrase literally means to zealously pursue, to chase or to strive after. It's like a hunter hunting for an animal. Or it's like an army who has got another army on its back. And it's chasing after that army. And then he says this, he talks about straining forward. The other night I was watching the Washington football team play against, I can't remember who they were playing against now, uh, but uh, oh, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How did I forget that, right? We're playing them. So they were playing, and it was incredible. They had the backup quarterback in, and one of the very last plays, their quarterback literally leaped four yards into the end zone. And listen, I'm a white guy. He was a white guy. White guys can't jump, right? But this guy leaped four full yards. That's what Paul is getting at, straining forward. So when you think about these phrases that Paul is saying, this one thing, I press on, I strain forward, it's what? It's action, it's effort, it's intentionality. You have to do something. Now, the Christian faith is a faith of grace, right? What that means is, is that there's absolutely nothing you can do to earn God's love. God loves you regardless of what you have done, what you will do, what you might do, whether what you did was good or what you did was bad. God loves you regardless. But here's what I want you to see and what I want you to understand. Grace and effort are not contradictory. Listen to what Dallas Willard says about grace and effort. He says, the path of spiritual growth in the riches of Christ is not a passive one. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. You have never seen people more active than those who have been set on fire by the grace of God. If you want to become who God wants you to become, if you want to become who you are to be in Jesus, it is going to require intentionality. It's going to require effort. It's going to require action. You can't sit back and hope God does something in you and you do nothing about it. And listen, you're going to come up with a million and one reasons why you can't do it. 2020, a pandemic, you lost your job, your family's a mess. You're trying to do your job and at the same time teach your kids. 
politics, racism, hate. None of those things should stop you from being intentional to know Christ. That you might become who God wants you to become. It requires intentionality. So if our future vision requires intentionality, what are we to do? If you're taking notes, here's where we get a little more practical. How do we focus on our future? A few things. Number one, I really want to encourage you, if you have your guidebook, look at pages 30 and 31. This is where the rubber begins to meet the road, because here is some practice for you. This isn't going to be the end-all, be-all. You're not going to complete this and be like, I've arrived, right? We just talked about that. But what this is going to start to do is help you begin to flesh out what your rule of life might look like, how you will begin to pursue God intentionally. So I want to encourage you, this week, begin to work on this. And by the way, don't fly through this. Do this slowly. Do this prayerfully. Bring in community. Let them look at it. So there's that. Number two, we've talked about our equip nights coming up. Mark your calendars, February 21st, 5 p.m. right here. We're having an equip night. So everything I'm talking about right now, about a rule of life, we're going far more deeper into that. Number three, it's on the screen, but I, again, I told you about this book. I can't recommend this book enough. A simple guide to help you along the way. And then lastly, Pastor Brig talked about it, our V-groups. These things that we're talking about right now, we're going to be talking about in V-groups next week. So those are just some helpful ways to get practical with the rule of life. If you're going to craft a rule of life, if you're going to focus on your future, number one, identify God's vision. Because hopefully your future vision for your life is God's vision for your life. And here's how you begin to do that. What you do is you begin to look at your identity. Who are you? You begin to look at the ways God has given you gifts and talents. You begin to understand your personality, your virtues, your roles. Did I tell you you can't do this like in one sitting? <laughs> right? I mean, that's a lot. But you're beginning to think about how God has created you, how he's shaped you, how he's molded you. You're asking questions like this, who does God want me to be? You're asking questions, why has God put me here? Because here's the thing about a rule of life. God has created you and placed you specifically for a reason. And your rule of life is going to help guide you there. So you begin to identify God's vision. Number two, you name your priorities. And I want to encourage you to think about your priorities in these four categories. It comes from Rhythms for Life. Number one, upward with God. That should be your number one priority. Number one priority over family. Number one priority over work. Number, number one priority over friends, over everything. That's your number one priority. Number two, inward inward with you you're beginning to think about your personal health right who you are what you need number three 
withward. You're beginning to think about the community around you. That can include your spouse, your significant other, your family, your friends, your church. And number four, outward. Because the Christian life is not just about you. It's about everyone around you. So that includes the people that are your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. It includes your occupation. It includes your mission. You're thinking about those priorities. And then, number three, you're creating intentional rhythms. Now, here's the thing about that. You're thinking about your rhythms of life. You have regular rhythms, things that you do daily, things that you do weekly, things that you do monthly. And at the same time, you have seasonal rhythms. Things that might happen quarterly, or if you're in school and you're still thinking semesters, or seasonally, or even yearly. And then lastly, you're living it out. You craft a rule of life, and you begin to live by that rule. Now remember, what did we say at the very beginning? The rule of life is not a rule to follow, to not break. It's simply a guide And it is a device to help provide support that you would become who God wants you to become. In in another book that I recommend, The Common Rule, the author Justin Early says this, All those who want to be attentive must realize that formation begins with a framework of habits. Again, I want to encourage you, in that guidebook, there is an article that I wrote about the power of spiritual habits. And you begin to see how those spiritual habits transform you. And so what does that look like? Here are just a few examples of living out a rule of life. These might work for you, they might not. I want you to think about this. Things like daily Bible reading. Weekly self-examination, where you're setting down once a week, clearing all the distractions, thinking about what happened in your week. How did you move closer to God? How did you struggle with sin? What are you learning about yourself? Maybe number three, a monthly date night. If you're married, engaged, dating somebody, spending time with that significant other. Why? Because that relationship is a part of your spiritual health. Because those relationships should be drawing you closer to God, not away from God. Quarterly serving with an organization. right? We're going outside of ourselves and beginning to serve other people. Those are just four examples of different priorities in different rhythms of life. A couple of things that I want to encourage you with. Number one, give yourself grace. If you're like me, you're a type A overachiever, and so you might begin by creating this lengthy rule of life, thinking I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, and then guess what happens? (laughs) Life hits, right? A pandemic happens. Your kids go to online school, and all of a sudden, all the things that you thought you were going to be able to do, you can no longer do. Pastor Brick reminded me the first time that I identified and understood the rule of life, I was right at the edge of beginning the PhD program. So I had all of these cool dreams and exciting things that I wanted to do in my rule of life. And then PhD life hit, where it's like, hey, by the way, you're going to read 50 books this semester. Well, let's take out all the extra stuff, right? Seasons of life come and seasons of life go. You have to give yourself grace. You have to be realistic. And then number two, take baby steps. So for so many of us, 
We've never been intentional with our spiritual life before. And so the most important thing we can do is simply get on base. So rather than think about 10 spiritual habits that you want to cultivate in your life, what are two to three? And rather than saying, hey, I'm going to add five new things to my life, what's one growth area? Where you're like, listen, I've never done this before. I'm going to try this one new thing. Baby steps. What do you need to do or not do to keep God at the center of everything you do? That's the point of a rule of life. What do you need to do or not do to keep God at the center of everything you do. Goals are incredible. I love setting goals. You can ask our team. I set goals. I love them. They're exciting. They get me like going. They prepare me for the year. But, but the thing about goals is they're not enough. And here's what I want you to understand. Every single one of us are living by a rule of life. We're already doing it. The unfortunate thing is so many of us are living by an accidental rule of life. The opposite of accidental is intentional. Are you planning, are you preparing for how you want to live your life, for that vision that God has for you? Are you just letting it happen accidentally? Because the vision that God wants for your life will not happen accidentally it will only happen intentionally who are you becoming in jesus how will you be intentional to accomplish what god wants to do in your life because it's only going to happen if you're intentional. God has a vision for your life. What are you going to do to see it come to fruition? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you that you love us God, that you don't keep us in our past, but because of the grace of Jesus in our life, God, you bring us into the future and you give us a new vision and a new future and a new hope and a new mission. God, may we be intentional with that future vision. Every single one of us, God, probably have a different next step to take. God, I simply pray that in this moment and in the moments to come, you would help us take that next step. And so in this moment and in the moments to come, Father, help us respond to you. We love you and we thank you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.